excellent greatness, you're going to have to do it again. I don't know what you do. I don't know how you run, how you shout, how you twist, how you jump. But if you're going to match his excellent greatness, you're going to have to do it a little harder. You're going to have to do it a little longer. You're going to have to do it a little more. Come on, you're worthy, Jesus, you're worthy. I magnify your name, Jesus, you're holy, you're holy, you're holy. Blessed be your name, Jesus, blessed be your name. Hallelujah, Jesus, you're worthy, Jesus, you're worthy. Oh, you're worthy. One of these nights, God's going to deliver me and you. From the expectation of the people. Pastor Moore, there's no reason that I should have to preach tonight. Once the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost moves in. If we are the apostolic church. We are the one that is called by his name. And we begin to reach out to him and touch him. And his anointing moves in. There shouldn't be any sick bodies. There shouldn't be anybody that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Oh, set us on fire with the Holy Ghost, Jesus. We magnify your name, Jesus. You're holy. Burn within us, Jesus. Burn within us, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. Oh, we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name, Jesus. You know why David got so excited? Because the love of his life was coming back to the house of Israel. Oh, have you way, Holy Ghost, have you way? Jesus, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Some of you that claim to want the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I can't tell if you want it or not. So I'm not sure if God even knows if you want it or not. Because it said, he that is hungry and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And I've never seen a hungry man. And I've never seen a thirsty man just standing around. But he was groveling. And he was reaching. And he was desirous of something. Have you way, Holy Ghost. Come on, Jesus, you were there. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Come on. Come on, let's entertain him for just a little bit. Come on, let's magnify him for just a little bit. I said, let's exalt them for just a little bit. Let's lift them higher tonight. Come on, let's just lift them up tonight. Above all our doubts, above all our fear, above all our unbelief. 
Uh, if, if I wanted the Holy Ghost, I'd be right out in amongst it. If my family was in turmoil, I would be right out amongst it. If my life was upside down, I'd be right in amongst it. Saying, touch me, Jesus. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hallelujah, Jesus, you're worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Come on, Holy Ghost. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. God bless your name, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Jesus, you're worthy. Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Return to your seat. I wish everybody could just be stirred by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm very clear on the fact that it says that we're saved by the foolishness of preaching. But I do know that when Jesus walked through, he said he healed them all. And I don't often read where he ever gave a message. He just let the anointing of the Holy Ghost work through him. But because we're creatures of habit, because some will not be moved, except that they know the consequences of their inactions, that's, that's where we are. If you have your Bibles, would turn with me tonight to Matthew 
chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19. I do hope that in the Holy Ghost I've made the right decision here. I was saying when Brother Ford was up here early on, I said, I would just say to myself, say on. When Pastor Moore took over, I was saying, say on. And I'll just keep this one in the book for another night. But chapter 19, I had a hamburger french fries shortly after 12 today sometime I don't know exactly when it was so I'm hungry and Braden told me to be quick that was eating tonight so I'm, I'm well aware of it I'm well aware of your expectations and I'm well aware of my stomach's expectations but as far as I know I haven't seen anyone receive the Holy Ghost in Bendale Mississippi this year and I'm much more hungry for a movement of the Holy Ghost in the spiritual that I ever am in the physical. So we're just going to obey God and we're going to have church. And I believe the convicting power is going to move in in such a way that somebody is going to be changed. That somebody is going to be saved. Somebody is going to be renewed. And somebody is going to be set on fire with the Holy Ghost. Chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. If you read that same account in the Gospel of Mark, once Jesus rehearsed to him the requirements of the law, he said, all of these I have kept from my youth up. And it said that Jesus beheld him and loved him. Which tells me that Jesus looked upon him and said, he's telling the truth. This is a good man. This is a faithful man, and I love him accordingly. But there he told him the same thing. Go sell all thy riches, give to the poor, and follow me. If you turn over just a couple of chapters to chapter 21, begin reading at verse 28. It says, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go to work in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether them twain did the will of the, his father, they say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God 
before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when you had seen it, repented, not afterward, that ye might believe him. So I hope to not be real lengthy tonight. I'm going to preach just a simple message tonight. Pastor Moore was preaching a couple weeks ago, and he, uh, he made mention of the fact that when we sometimes fall into a snare or a mistake or a sin, and, and we, we have an advocate with the Father, and we have the opportunity to uh, repent and turn from that way, and we say we're sorry, and we ask God to forgive us, and he does. And then we turn around and we do it again. And he said at some point, there's just no more forgiveness for that. You just, at some point, there could come a point, I might say, that you, there's no more forgiveness for that. And this, this, this title just came to me. And um, I had a long week at camp, didn't get a lot of sleep. And so I spent yesterday evening up here sleeping and studying and praying and sleeping and studying and praying. And, uh, but I'm going to preach just a few minutes here. Thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Right. Pastor Moore, would you pray? God, we love and appreciate you tonight. Lord, so thankful for the presence and the power that's within of this service. You, Lord, Brother Burley, tonight use to bring forth your word. We find its place in each one of our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. We receive it, God. The man of the form, respond to it. Have you way, Jesus, your word. Have your way, Jesus, you're worthy. God, let your will be done, Jesus, you're so worthy. Jesus, you're so worthy. Let's give him a good hand and clap of praise as we're seated. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you alone are worthy. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. God, you're worthy. Jesus, you are so worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless you. You may be seated. We're all very familiar with that phrase. When say thanks, uh, but no thanks. It's, uh, it normally occurs when, when even maybe somebody comes along and you're doing a project and they, they volunteer their assistant to you, and you, you say, well, thanks for offering, but, but no thanks to your help. Or it could be that you're, whatever it could be, you know, somebody offers to buy you lunch or something else, and I, I thank you for your offer, but, but no thanks. I, I'm not going to take you up on it. I'm not going to allow you to, to do what you've asked me to do, but, but I appreciate your offering anyway. And unfortunately, that same kind of situation happens in the house of God. We can come into the service like tonight, and I could be sitting in the house of God, and my life could be falling apart around me. Just everything is distraught. Finances are meager. Relationships are bad. Children are backslid. I'm backslid. Whatever, the, whatever it might be goes on and on and on. And the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost just falls. It falls everywhere. And we thank you, Jesus, for your presence 
and your anointing, but no thanks to change in my situation. Thank you that you was willing to come in, and thank you that you was allowed, but you allowed me to feel you again, but, but no thanks tonight. Just, no, it's okay tonight, I'll be all right, but I thank you anyway, just the same. That's, we don't say that, but our actions speak volumes. You come in and you feel his presence, and you have a need or a situation in your life, and he moves like he moved tonight. And the waters are stirred the way that they were stirred tonight. And you walk out of there changed and not moving into his presence. You have simply said, thanks, Jesus, but no thanks. As we turn our face to the word of God, we all know the story of Samuel and him becoming the prophet, but I'm going to belabor the point tonight and go through the story in, in minute detail if I can. We all know how Eli was the one that was judging and the prophet over Israel. We know that his sons did evil in the sight of God and in the sight of the people. And Hannah besought God that she could have a child. And she told God, if you allow me to have a child, said, I will take and I will lend him back into you. No strings attached, God. You give me a son and I'll give him back. Just let me raise him till he's weaned and then I'll give him to you. And that's fine. There's no more... Nothing more on my part. I'm good. I'm done. So God blessed her. And she had a child. And we know that the child's name was Samuel. And we know that she lived up to her end of the bargain. That she, she raised him till she weaned him. And what age that is, we don't really know of the Hebrew culture of the time. But uh, she brought him to the house of God and gave him to Eli and said, Here's the boy that you prophesied that I would have. Here he is for God's service. And we know that God's hand was upon Samuel and his hand was against Eli and his sons. And we know that Samuel was at an early age that God began to speak to him in dreams and in visions and began to tell him the things that would happen to Eli and to his sons and the things that would befall them and how God would move and the people began to love Samuel and they I'm sure often they would come and they would ask Eli where's the lad I brought him something this time can I just talk to the lad for a minute and Israel began to look at Samuel and said maybe there is hope maybe there is hope for a future because it already said that the word of God was precious in those days the reason it was precious is because nobody was talking it and nobody was saying anything about it so they loathed for it and they longed for it and in Samuel they said there is hope that we'll have the move and the anointing of God again and it said that under the leadership of Eli and his sons it said the light ere it went out in the temple it was to never have went out in the temple but it was to burn continually there it was to be day and night evening and morning they was to check the fire and to put fresh oil in the lanterns and the, la and the lamps and the candles so they would burn and now they begin to look at Samuel and they said maybe there is hope and maybe there is a future and the prophecy come about that Eli died once his sons were slain and Samuel began to lead Israel and begin to be a beloved prophet and it was the people that come and they would follow after Samuel they would come to the seer they would come and they say oh man of God what shall we do and if you read your scriptures very closely it wasn't just 
David that the Philistines fled from, but they fled because Samuel led Israel in the ways of God. It said that the Philistines' hands was against Israel, but Israel subdued them during the days of Samuel when he was leading and prophesying. And the people of Israel loved Samuel, and they loved him dearly, and they said, there's hope in the house of God now because we have a man of God and we have a prophet that has integrity and has morals and hears the very voice of God and he ruled them with such humility and he ruled them with such integrity and he led them in the paths and the ways that the Levitical law said they should go and Israel loved him and Israel just longed to be in his presence and in the presence of God. And he led for years, and it says that he became old. And it says that his children, his sons, did not follow after his ways. And it says that Israel had been out to battle, and they had defeated the enemy, the Philistines, and they had wrought a great battle. And it says when they come back in, they look to Samuel, and they say, Samuel, we want a king. And it broke Samuel's heart at first because he had always, the people had always looked at him and said, that's our man of God. That's our prophet. But they said, we want a king. They had just defeated a nation that had a king and they had no king but God. And Samuel began to rebuke them and say, God is your king. How dare you ask for a king? And God said, nevertheless, Samuel, obey their word. He said, how be it? Restrain them. So Samuel turned to the people and said, this will be the manner of your king. It says your king's going to take your children. He's going to take the best. He's going to take a tenth part of your land. He's going to take a tenth part of your seed. He's going to take your sons and your daughters. He's going to take your sons and he's going to make them soldiers. He's going to take your women and your ladies and make them bakers and cooks and cleaners in his house. He's going to rule with an iron fist and you'll see one day that a king is not all that is cracked up to be. But the people said... Thanks for the information, Samuel, but no thanks. I want a king. We want a king because we don't care the price that it costs. We want to look like everybody else. We don't want to be a separated people, but we want a people that's just like all the other heathen nations. And we don't care if it costs us our sons and our daughters, our riches and our houses and our lands. We want a king, Samuel. And Samuel took the words and he relayed them to God again. And he said, he finds you a king. And the day came that he brought in Saul and he anointed him to king. And it's still not too late. He's already met up with Saul in a foreign land. And he said, God had put a new heart in Saul. God was preparing the man to be king. But it come today that they was going to anoint Saul. And it says that Samuel took and he poured the anointing all upon Saul and said God's anointing was on him mightily. And he was a changed man. And then Samuel took and rehearsed the words to the people again. This is the manner of your king. He's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to take your homes. He's going to take your lands. He said, this is what you're getting. And he wrote it in a book, and he held it before the Lord. And the children of Israel said, thanks, Samuel.
but no thanks. We want a king. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be like the heathen nation. We want to look like the world. We want to be just like the world. And it doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter the price. It doesn't matter that I lose my children to the world. It doesn't matter that I lose my children to the system. It doesn't matter if he takes them and I never see them again. It doesn't matter if he takes them, they become maimed and mangled by the world and in the world. It doesn't matter. I just want to look like the other nations. We want a king. And so it was that Saul began to reign. And it said that Saul reigned for a year and he was used of God. And now the thing that Samuel told him some year ago, he said, Terry, seven days until I come with a sacrifice. We always think that Samuel told Saul to go and Terry and I'll be there in seven days. He did, but he did it over a year ago. And Saul went and he tarried for seven days and Samuel didn't show up. And Saul said, bring me the sacrifice and bring me the ephod and I'll offer the sacrifice. And Saul, their king, the one that they wanted to be just like everybody else, began to offer the sacrifice. And no sooner than he offered the sacrifice did the beloved prophet show up, Samuel, and he said, Saul, what hast thou done? He said, did I not tell you to tarry that I would come and offer the sacrifice? He said, the people scattered and they forced me and I did it. And God began to pull his hand off of Saul. He began to take and pull his hand back from Saul. And God had already told Saul, Saul, if you'll follow me, a seed will always sit on the throne. I'll never remove your seed from the throne. But Saul said, thanks God, but no thanks. I think I'll do it my way. I think I'll just go my way. It doesn't matter that my children won't inherit the throne. It doesn't matter that my children won't ever see the glory that I've seen or experience the anointing that I've done. I just want to do it my way. And he continued to walk. But God had rejected him as being king. And it wasn't long till he gave more instructions from Samuel. Go down to Agai. Go down to the Amorites and kill Agai. And everybody kill them all. The Amalekites. And you know the story, he brought back the best. He brought back Agag the king. And, and Samuel says, so what have you done? Do you not remember what God told you? That I'll make you a mighty man in Israel. I have anointed you to be king. Your children will sit on the throne. I'll never remove their seed. They'll always be there. Your lineage will be mighty. You'll be great. But Saul just couldn't do it. He said, no, I want to do it my way, Samuel. I hear what you're saying, but I'm the king. I'm the anointed one, and I'll do it my way. Thanks, Samuel, but no thanks. And God rejected him as a man. And time would go on until Saul and Jonathan and his sons was killed upon Mount Gilboa. And David mourned the death of him and said, My, how the mighty and the beautiful have been slain. And it went on from there that they began to kill the sons of Saul. And every son of Saul would have been slain if it had not been for the commitment that David made to Jonathan that I'll save one of your seed. And he brought Mephibosheth in the house.
and the rest were slain. Simply because a man said, I'll do it my way. I don't need the anointing of God. I don't need the authority of the man of God. I know what he said. I heard his voice, but thanks but no thanks. It doesn't matter that it costs me all of my children and my own life. I would rather do it that way than they hear the voice of God. Than they hear the very man of God as he talks to me with such clear instructions. I know best. I know the right way. And I would love to tell you that that's the only story in the Bible, but it's not. What if Judas that was handpicked, that was handpicked to be a disciple, and he walked with Jesus, and he talked with Jesus, and he was on the boat the night that Jesus said, let there be peace, and there was peace. He was on the boat that night when the lightning restrained itself, and the thunder retracted from it. He was there. He was there in the city of Nan. He was there at Cana at the marriage supper. He was there when the dead was raised. He was there when Lazarus was raised after four days. He was there when the withered hand was stretched forth. He was there at the pool of Bethesda when a man of 38 years got up and walked. He was there when Jesus did all kinds of miracles. He was there with the 5,000 was fed with two fish and five loaves. He was there when he fed 4,000 more. Judas was there and he seen it. He was there at the Last Supper. He knew what Jesus was. He was there when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was there when Jesus said, I am my Father of one. He was there when Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Judas was there. He was there in the presence and the anointing of God. He walked with Jesus. Jesus loved him for some three and a half years like his own son. But we find him when it's time for the crucifixion. We find Judas willing to sell out. We find him saying, thanks, Jesus, but no thanks. I would love to serve in your kingdom, but it's not worth it. I'll sell out for just a few pieces of silver. I know you own everything. I've seen you walk on water. I've seen you talk to the deaf and the blind and everything else. I know you can give me anything, but I'm going to sell out for just 30 pieces of silver. And he brought them to Jesus. And it still wasn't too late. Jesus said, friend, and look up the word friend, it's love. Jesus is not being sarcastic. This is the man that he's raised, that he's, he's tutored him. It was still an opportunity for Judas to turn around. But Judas couldn't do it. He just wasn't able to do it. He said, thanks, Jesus. But no thanks. I'll do my own thing. What if Demas? Demas was a part of the greatest foreign mission team that ever lived. You'll read several times where Paul says, so and so, and Demas greets you. We may be in prison, but Demas is with me, and he greets you. Until he got down to 2 Timothy, and he said, Today, hey, send somebody to me, Timothy. I need somebody because Demas left me. Loving this present world. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it.
but no thanks. We live on the Gulf Coast. We're very familiar with hurricanes that come and go. We're very familiar with the, when the impending dangers coming in, people in the low-lying areas, or my family lives in Venice, so it's always evacuation time. And it happens quite often. It becomes a mandatory evacuation. That means you must leave. But they will not forcefully take you. And it'll come in just like it did with Katrina. And there's documented recordings of video of people videoing their family as one after the other goes down, drowning. And they would not heed to the mandatory evacuation. It says there's danger coming. There's a flood on the horizon. Thanks, but no thanks. We'll just ride it out. We'll just take our chances. We'll just see if our babies can't make it. Because we've always done this. We've all, it's always been like this. So thanks for the, the offer there, Mr. Law Enforcement Officer. But no thanks. We come into the house of God. We come here and lives are distraught. And lives are torn apart. And we come here and we need something for God. And, and our, our homes are falling apart. Our marriage is on the rocks. And God comes in as the great and the mighty counselor. And he begins to move. And he begins to draw. And he begins to woo. Uh, and we cry. And we just moan. And we carry on. And, but then we get up. And we say thanks. But no thanks. I need you more than the very breath that I breathe. I need you more than the life that I live. And I know if I divorce, my children will be lost. I know that they'll backslide and go to a devil's hell. I know my children are out in the world. I know they're on meth and crack. I know all of these things. But thanks, but no thanks. I really don't mean it, Pastor. I'm sorry that I'm in this situation, but I'm not really sorry enough to change it. I'm really not sorry enough to allow God to move and to minister into my life. And we'll come, and we know we're on our way out, and we know we're on the verge of backsliding, and we know that everything is coming undone, and we've seen the stats before, and we know that children never make it through it. But we're just like Saul. We're just like the children of Israel. It doesn't matter that it's going to cost me my children. I'm okay with that. Thanks. But no thanks. And we'll come to the house of God. And the preacher will preach with everything that is within him. The convicting power will just pull and it will woo and it will draw and will come up to somewhere just long enough to get the people off of her back or just long enough to get the conviction off her back and we'll stand up and we'll brush ourselves off and we say thanks but no thanks not tonight. I'll do it another night. Well friend let me tell you in the Holy Ghost one of these nights is going to be the last night. One of these nights you're going to walk out the door and the opportunity will never be given to you again and the offer will never be there again one day it'll be too late 
One day your children won't come back to the house of God. One day your husband or your wife won't come back no more. The story that I read to you of the rich, rich young ruler. I've preached from it before, but I've never seen it in the light that I've seen it this time. He come to Jesus and he, Jesus, what can I do that I can obtain eternal life? He would say, Jesus, what can I do to miss that awful place called hell? What can I do to miss the place that you said would be better off if my eye offend me to pluck it out and enter into heaven without seeing? What is that place where if you cut your hand offend you, that you cut it off, that you can miss that place called hell? Jesus, what must I do that I miss that awful lake of fire? And Jesus simply says, do all these laws, do all these things. He said, I've done them all, but I want to know. I want to know how can I miss hell? And Jesus gives him a very, very simple rule. Sell all you have and give to the poor and you'll miss hell. And the rich young man says he turns away sorrowful because he had much wealth. The price was too high. Thanks, Jesus. But no thanks. Thanks. But no thanks. I know that it will secure my eternal salvation. I know that it will make it to where I can make it to heaven. I know. But no. It's okay. Sister Moore, if you'd come, I'm not going to be much longer. I know what it's like to be where you are. The reason this message came to me is it was for me. When pastor was saying that, I'd already taken it into my bosom. I said, oh God, I got to do better. Pastor says, be here 30 minutes before service time and we'll have a mighty moving of the Holy Ghost. It'll be so powerful and there'll be so much authority that your children will come in. It'll be so wonderful and so great that the community will come in and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It'll be so wonderful and so great there'll be healing and signs and wonders. And some of us still say thanks, but no thanks. It's too hard to get here 30 minutes before church to save my babies. Uh, thanks, but no, I'll take my chances. You want to go to heaven? Do this, do that. Stay away from this little bit of stuff and it'll be fine. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. You want to live an overcoming life? Pray every day. Fast. Read your Bible. That may push out fishing and hunting and softball playing or this and that. 
Thanks. But I really don't want to be used to God that bad. So no thanks. That's what we're saying. We're not saying it, but we're saying it. There's going to be a revival church in Bendale, Mississippi. But it's going to come from a people that are hungry and thirsty for a moving of the Holy Ghost. Brother Dissotel said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. When we say that we're sorry, when I fall into a trap for the Ford, and I say I'm sorry, and I come pour myself out before him, and I get up and I leave and I do it again, I was sorry that I was caught, but I wasn't really sorry. Thanks, Jesus, but no thanks. I'm glad you forgave me. That's what I was after. But don't change me. The rich young ruler, everybody stand. Maybe he had been going to church for five years or 15 years or 20 years. He may have been going for 30 years, Pastor. And he paid his tithes. And it said, Jesus beheld him and loved him. Which tells me he probably gave to the building fund. And he probably showed up for men's work day. He probably made all the men's meeting and the men's prayer breakfast. The pastor calls a fast day. He probably fasted. The pastor said, come to pre-service prayer. And he was probably there. And he said, good master, what must I do to ensure that I miss that awful place called hell? And Jesus says, you're doing everything just right. Say this, I need to know, am I your everything? Are you willing to give me everything? He didn't need the man's riches. And I feel in my heart, if the man had turned and said, I'll be right back. I'm going to do it. Jesus probably would have said, it's okay, son. Now I know. The same way he did with Abraham. said, Abraham, do you love me more than you love Isaac? He didn't want Isaac. He was the promise. Abraham, I've seen how you hold that boy. I've seen how y'all play ball out in the yard. I've seen how Sarah loves on him. Make sure he's dressed just right. Make sure everything's just tidy and everything's in order. I've seen you loving on him, Abraham. I just want to know something. Is the promise ahead of me now? 
Abraham, take him and give him back. I want to see if you love me more. And just the opposite of the rich young ruler, Abraham took the love of his life up that hill. And Abraham left his servants at the bottom of the hill as far as he was concerned, taking a dead son to a place called Yonder. Because he loved the one that gave him more than the one that he had. And God said, I don't really need him, Abraham. Now I know. That's what God said. The angel stopped him and then it said, God spoke. And said, now I know that thou lovest me more. But the rich young ruler loved things more than missing a place called hell. And if you're allowing anything that you know of to prevent you from getting the Holy Ghost, you're simply saying thanks, but no thanks. And you really don't love him like you say you do. And if I'm not living the overcomer life, and I'm not living the dedicated and the consecrated life that I should be. I'm basically saying, thanks, Jesus, but no thanks. There's no doubt in my mind that the certain rich young ruler lost everything he had. I feel confident that he did. And I feel most confident if Abraham hadn't been willing to offer Isaac, God would have took him. If my life wasn't where it's supposed to be, Holy Ghost or not, I would evaluate what it is that I'm putting between me and him. Because he can move it. You'll get it out of the way for you. If you tell him that it's not worth that, Jesus, he'll make it to where it is, Sister Moore. I honestly do not believe that the coming of the Lord is far off. And some of you don't believe that more than the moon is cheese. I know that because you live like you don't. But it's not far off. And the days of tarrying in the house of God for 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 years, I'm afraid are a thing of the past. I don't think we got that much time. Every head bowed and every eye closed.
Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do you want from me, Jesus? What do you want from me, Jesus? As they began to find something to sing softly. just yesterday I prayed just yesterday I say God you know my children and I told him I said Jesus whatever it takes God I want them to go to heaven I said no strings attached Jesus I want them to go to heaven it's got to be more than just a game it's got to be just more than just being a Pentecostal or an apostolic or whatever it might be. There's got to come a point in your life when you come up here that you want to be changed. More than you want the breath you breathe. More than you want anything else. It's got to be that you got to be changed. I pray that the convicting power of God just this evening that it would stir and move us down to our very foundation. I don't have words to say that will move you. But God can move you and he can stir you. And I would rather do it on his terms. I would rather do it under the mercy. I'd rather do it under his hand of grace. Let him change you tonight. Let him change you tonight. Let him baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. Quit turning them away. Keep push, quit pushing them aside. God knows if you're playing games. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. God, move us, Jesus. Come on, come on, let's press our way in. Make up your mind that tonight's the night. That tonight you're going to give him everything. You're not going to hold anything back, but you're going to give him everything that you are tonight. He's got to have everything.
Give myself away. 